On today's episode, we have Leah Tarleton. She's a former clinical registered dietitian turned self-described eco-dietitian and entrepreneur. After obtaining her master's degree in nutrition diagnostics in 2017, she began working in long-term care as a clinical nutrition manager. After one and a half years in this role, Leah found herself asking what she really wanted out of her career and started working with a career coach to help her uncover her greatest passion in her work as a dietitian. After much searching, Leah landed on her personal nutrition philosophy, a combination of food as medicine and planetary health through plant-based eating. As someone who has struggled greatly with anxiety despite ambitious goals, Leah now helps women just like her use food to improve their anxiety so they can focus on achieving their goals that matter most to them. You can find her on Instagram at anxiety period nutritionist. Welcome to the show. Thanks, yeah. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. Can't wait to dive in. The first thing I'd like for you to share with the audience is a little bit more about your nutrition philosophy. Yeah, sure. So you covered a little bit in my bio, but my nutrition philosophy has really evolved over time. I would say when I started my internship, I had no clue what my nutrition philosophy was. As a dietitian, I had gotten into the field from a weight loss journey and I was coming at it from that perspective. But the more that I learned about clinical nutrition and how nutrition really works in the body, and then getting into my master's coursework, nutrition diagnostics, which really is like an integrative approach to care, looking at the whole person, I really kind of started to hone in on that integrative identity. And then it wasn't really until my first job that I started to uncover the more food as medicine approach. And I had a mentor in my first job who really pushed this with me and was like, you're, you became a dietitian to heal people with food. So that was something I was skeptical about at first because it's not something that we really talk about in the world of dietetics, but she's an Ayurvedic actually a practitioner and she was very much big on this and was like, couldn't believe that, you know, a dietitian wasn't on board with this, but she really encouraged me. And I started to realize that this was why I got started with nutrition. I believe that food is really powerful for promoting health and you can even prevent or reverse disease with nutrition. And I saw it with my patients. So I also practice a really flexible approach to plant-based eating. It wasn't until very recently that I started learning more about plant-based eating because I've been more conscious about how food affects the planet, the environment, as well as animal welfare. So that's been a huge new thing for me is, is moving towards that. But I practice it flexible because I believe that food is a part of our social lives, our culture, and our identity. So I just don't think there's any one-size-fits-all diet. And that's kind of how I'm moving forward in my business. I love that. I specifically love that you sought out finding, like, why are you doing this? Like, what gets you fired up? I think not enough people take advantage of seeking out mentorship to guide them. So what an incredible thing to be able to bounce some of your concerns off of someone and land on your passion, which is, you know, this food is medicine approach and being able to take a more flexible and holistic approach with your clients. So I commend you on being able to really feel, figure out what really matters for you. And I'd love, and now that you've, landed on this and you've started to get into growing your business. Can you share with us what that process has looked like, like your journey really starting and creating a practice that you love? Yeah. I mean, this is a story that kind of goes back a little ways. 
And I've thought about how I wanted to tell this story because it's, it's something very personal to me. But I started out when my first job in long-term care, and that was a really, I was so excited when I got that job because I was working as a manager and I was making pretty good money considering, you know, how much on average we make. And I really worked super hard in that first job. Like I was just everywhere woman doing everything and trying all these different projects, but it wasn't the right fit for me. In the end, it was a really high pressure job. I didn't really love some of the work that I was doing. I loved my residents, but in the end, and this is, you know, this is something I debated about sharing, but in the end, I actually was let go from that position. And it was after that experience that like really uh, kind of feeling like I had failed out of that first job that I started to think about, well, what is it that I actually want to do? Why did this opportunity come to an end in such a upsetting way and reflecting a lot on this was the first time in my life that I felt like I had failed at something like truly failed. And so I did a lot of like hot yoga and meditation and like, three daily walks, listening to podcasts. And I started working with a business coach. Like I literally asked my, my boyfriend to buy me a coaching package for my birthday. And so I was doing a lot of self-work and recovering from like this feeling that I had failed. And eventually after a certain amount of time, like I think it was like six months of being unemployed, but being super busy, like working on me and volunteering and exploring my interests that I had built up to a place of like confidence again and I was very resilient and I just decided that I didn't want to go back into clinical. I had applied for like over 30 jobs and had had several interviews, but none of them really turned into anything. And I was like, I'm tired of this. Nobody sees my value. And I know that I can create something that is going to be meaningful to me. So I just went for it. I, I decided I was going to hire Libby and that's kind of where I am today. I am like so just blown away by your pursuit and finding what really makes you happy. I think working on you is one of the best jobs anyone will ever have. And I think it's so underrated. I appreciate that you took the time to treat yourself like the valuable thing that you are, the valuable person you are, instead of just getting stuck in another job that doesn't value as a person and finding entrepreneurship as a really cool way to be able to share your value with the world on your own terms. And I think admittedly, a lot of people can really relate to finding themselves in situations where they feel like they're a failure. But what I love, love that you said is that you really worked on shifting your mindset and you had a couple of different examples going on walks and listening to things that helped you shift your mindset, doing hot yoga, meditating, And those forms of self-care are so important in the process of reframing, but often way overlooked. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that with the listeners. I know a lot of them have similar stories and it's great to be able to connect with someone who can relate to them. Yeah, you definitely hit it on the head. The self-care piece is something I have come to. It's like so important to me after six months of building myself back up and realizing that I needed to do this for me. And not letting what happened to me, uh, that wasn't my fault, like it was just a situation in my life, not letting that destroy me. Like losing your job can sometimes put people down in the dumps. Like my boyfriend said that I was the busiest unemployed person he ever met because I never stopped working. I never stopped 
like going and trying to improve myself. I joined Toastmasters. Like I was doing everything just to build myself back up. Oh, that's so freaking cool. And you know what? You're going to really take this experience and be able to better connect and empathize with your clients because they're going to be going on a unique journey for themselves that's different. And maybe even one that they've tried multiple times before and felt like they failed at. So the greatest thing about your experience is that it's going to really lend itself well to you as a coach and helping people. Yes. The empowerment piece is so important to me because I think women, one of the reasons the job didn't work out is I was under so much stress that I dropped the ball on some things and I wasn't taking care of my anxiety. And I'm just all about like, I know there are women out there in their careers, whatever it is they're trying to do that they don't have this under control. They're not taking care of themselves and they're just not going to succeed on some of their pursuits. So the empowerment thing with nutrition is huge for me. Yes. I can't, I can't wait for you to be able to change all these women's lives. You, you have this fire within you and I can't wait for you to light a lot of these women up that have lost their spark. <laughs> and speaking of clinical, do you mind sharing like some of your clinical stories that really were a part of this awakening and move towards really pursuing a better you. Yeah. I had had a lot of interactions with doctors working in long-term care there, we had a lot of different providers that would come through. And I had one doctor that was really supportive of me, let me put in all my interventions, like believed in nutrition, but she ended up leaving. And there were a couple that came in where it's like, I feel like I would talk to them about nutrition and how important it was for the patient. And they would just be like, yeah, like whatever you want to do. Like they just weren't interested in it. And I, I always felt like I wasn't valued and my knowledge wasn't valued and that they just didn't get it. And like, they didn't get the, the why and why it was so important for the patient. So, and then with the food as medicine philosophy, like that feeling just became stronger and stronger the more I realized, because I was practicing food as medicine with some of my patients and I was seeing transformations. I had a patient who lost 80 pounds in a long-term care setting and literally reversed his diabetes. I mean, he was like, the doctor was like trying to get him to take his insulin, but he, his blood sugars were normal and his A1C was normal. So even in that setting, I was like, changing lives, but nobody was seeing that it was important and that it was something transformative. So it wasn't the right environment for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. When the people you work with don't even see your value, time to move on. Let just wipe your hands of it. It's all good. It's, it's not mm -hmm. serving you in any way. Mm -hmm. And can you share a little bit now about this shift to going from clinical to now working with your ideal client, a woman with anxiety who's high achieving, can you share with us what allowed you to get really clear on wanting to work with her? You know, I, when I started working with my business coach, who's been really there for me since just a couple of weeks after losing my job, we really dove into my passions and what I liked. And she really encouraged me to like get away from forcing myself to do clinical. And so the more that I thought about it, I was like, just uncovering things about myself. And so when I came to Libby's program, I really knew right away that I wanted to work with anxious women. I knew exactly that was the person I wanted to work with, but I, I knew that I had to narrow it down. And so I started researching, doing the market research and figuring out what some problems anxious women have with nutrition. And I was uncovering different things. And initially I was going to go with like IBS and gut health, 
But there's just something about that didn't resonate with me. It wasn't quite what I wanted to do. And so I thought about weight loss next. And I thought, nope, that threw that one away pretty quickly. And then I finally landed on nutritional psychiatry, which is an emerging field. It's actually quite new. And the science around it is really new. And I've always loved psychology. I've always said that if I could go back to school and do something different, I would have become a psychologist because I just love that part of it. The, the food and the mood and how the food interacts with the brain and, you know, just understanding anxiety disorders and how they work like that just fills my cup. That's like a, like a hobby for me. <laughs> so to be able to integrate that with nutrition was really cool. And then what, what also motivated me to pursue that was I've always said, like, anytime someone said, what's your 10 year goal? Like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I'm like, I want to be an expert on something. Right. Like I want to be the person on the TEDx stage who's sharing their big idea. And I felt like because there weren't a lot of dietitians in this space, that that's some way a way that I could get to that place. Oh, I love where do I start? I just simply wrote down, find what fills your cup, and I underlined it like five <laughs> times. I love that. What a great way of explaining like what you should be looking for when you're pursuing an entrepreneurship endeavor, not what is going to necessarily make the most money because yeah, that could be one pursuit, but that's not going to last long. But finding what fills your cup, if you do that and people are attracted to that, the money will just like flow through. And I also really appreciate that you really have a good sense of where you see yourself in 10 years, you being framed as the expert especially in this emerging field, you're like one of the first really exploring this. So it's, I can actually see you in this position. I can totally sense it. You have such a great command and passion on the subject. So I have no doubt that I'll be asking for your autograph after a TED talk for sure <laughs> within the next 10 years. And I look forward to it. But I think it's so important that the listeners, you know, really heed your advice, you know, do the research, you know, go through a couple of things that you're thinking through go through, do some market research, and then kind of toss what's not resonating with you, what doesn't serve you, because you should be going into business for yourself to do what you like and not doing some of the icky, yucky stuff that clinical often makes you do, because like, what's the point in doing something that you don't like, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that was a process in and of itself, just letting myself do what I wanted. It was actually a whole thing and a half. It was like, I was forcing myself to apply for clinical jobs and I was reading these job descriptions and I'm just like, I do not want this. Like every cell of my being does not want this. And if they chose me, I would be like pissed. I mean, I would be upset about it. Um, But it was kind of like, I was just ruminating on getting a job. And then, but the shift happened when I realized I don't want this. So I, and it's okay to want what I want and to work towards that. Yes. Yes, I am living for this. Yeah, you're, you and your TED Talk, like, I'm ready for it already. <laughs> Let's get you on stage, like, next week. So now that you've gotten a lot more clear, can you share with us, like, what has changed in your business and marketing once you had the clarity, especially since you were going from IBS, you teetered with weight loss, and then you finally, like, really landed on this connection with nutrition and psychology and, like, really getting it all to fit together for you so you can serve your clients better. Yeah, I am still uncovering exactly what it is I want to do. I have a really big heart and I want to help every woman with anxiety. 
And I'm finding in my research things that I actually never even knew before, even as a woman who's dealt with it myself, that there are subtypes of women that have anxiety and have nutrition problems that go with it. You know, there are women who overeat because of anxiety. There are women who undereat, and that's their biggest struggle. And then there's women who deal with both, depending on how they're feeling that day. So it's, I'm still sitting with the idea. I do things very gradually. The, I have to fully let it sink in and sort of like marinate in my brain before I can like, not until I can move forward, but I like to sit with ideas for a long time until I have them. And so I feel like I'm getting closer. I really feel that like in this program, every week I'm getting closer to who I want to work with in my IC, my ideal client. And I'm just being patient with myself and waiting for that to come. Yeah, it's been beautiful to see your growth and your commitment and creativity. Oh my God, you guys, you have to go check out her content. So freaking (laughs) cool. I mean, you could also be like a designer too. I'm like blown away by how you convey your nutrition philosophy and your graphics. It's so stunning. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. I've always loved to design things. Um, even in long-term care, I, I planned like a whole nutrition week and like put together these brochures and everyone's like, who is this girl? <laughs> <laughs> like creating brochures, like we don't do that around here. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. And now that you are a person who is creating these awesome graphics and you're using your platform to market and sell, can you share with us like how you're using the Instagram platform to get your message out there to attract your ideal client? Yeah, I think it was for me, I kind of treat Instagram like my canvas a little bit. And I, what I mean by that is like, I've been posting content every day and some things click and some things don't click or, you know, the mess, some people engage with some things. And I found that just posting every day has been teaching me something new every day and what people are engaged with and what their problems are. And I just think Instagram is a really dynamic platform for that kind of thing that like engaging on visual content and the stories piece is really interesting. The more I've gotten into that and figured out how it's supposed to be used and how I really try not to focus too much on like the algorithm, right? Like the hashtags and all the little details, like those are important, but just understanding like, what is the value of the Instagram platform? Like, what does it do? What, how does it help you reach people? And I think the visual piece is really important, but so is the like telling a story and getting people to ask questions. Like that's something that's very different than say like Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, I think a lot of people overthink Instagram and they get so caught up on the lighting, the filters, the hashtags, and they forget to just analyze like, what can I do to add value? Like, what can I do to convey a message? And just going at it from that angle, you can get a lot done and reduce a lot of the barriers that are often perceived to be barriers when trying to jump into entrepreneurship on a platform like Instagram. I hear people say it all the time. Oh, I don't know how to do like X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And it's like, as long as you can create a graphic in Canva and you know how to upload it, I mean, that's, that's a big win within itself. Cause like you said, it's a visual platform more than anything at the end of the day. Yeah. And I definitely latched on to Libby's advice for progress, not perfection pretty early. While I kind of, I do love creating beautiful designs. There were times, especially on stories where I'm like, just, just post it. I mean, the worst that can happen is you say something weird or I don't know, like it would just, 
to be able to just put myself out there on that platform and have people see it, that's all you really have to do. Yes. I love it. Gosh, you make it sound so easy. They should put you in an Instagram commercial if they had commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's definitely not easy. It's, it is hard work, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it can be fun. Yeah. Which is important when it, yeah, that's so true. It has to be fun. And in that way, it's not as scary. So now that you have shared with us a little bit of like your passion and creating content, can you share with us a little bit of your process in creating that content? Yeah, actually this comes at a really good time. I have finally sat down this week and put together a strategy. Um, Some of the coaches have given me advice on the content calls that I've put into action now, but for the first month or so of the program, I was just creating content as I felt inspired I was gener- like putting ideas in lists, and that was kind of just how I got started. But now I sat down and I, I went through Libby's advice again about content process, and I typed out my strategy, what day I'm going to create content, and all the details around that. So I would say to anyone who's kind of worried about creating content, just start at first, like do whatever you can, and then create your strategy over time as you figure out what works for you. Yeah. Those are great action steps. I love the idea of just as inspiration comes to you, just kind of create from that place because that's easier to create from inspiration, right? When it's stuff that gets you excited, but it's a strategy piece. No one likes to hear the word strategy, but strategy is a lot easier once you've had practice, just at least doing the work. And you're absolutely correct. Now that you've seen what works and doesn't work, it's a lot easier to kind of type up a strategy. You know, your schedule now, you know, when you first started, probably weren't, you weren't sure you're just, I'm just going to get into everything, try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that. But now that you kind of like got the time under your belt, you're able to see, okay, I can create content this day, I can post it this time. And those little system nuggets are so helpful in like being able to move the needle and like push your business forward. Yeah, definitely. And I've always been the kind of person who just jumps in, creates a big mess, and then put it, puts it back together in an orderly fashion. That's just kind of how, that's my creative process. I don't know. Like I don't usually come to something with it all figured out real fast. I'm not always the fastest learner, but I get there eventually. <laughs> and snaps, because you know what? We're all different. We're all on our own unique journey. And what matters is that, you know, you recognize who you are as a person you own it. And then you go through the process and know that you're going to get to where you need to be. And you know, it's cool owning your truth. I think it's so important. We're, we're all different in that way. And I, and it's so great to be different and like value our like uniqueness. So kudos to you. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us a little bit more about additional struggles? You kind of mentioned the not having a strategy before with creating content. Um, Is there something else you'd like us to share in terms of your struggle of being able to attract people onto your page and get engagement and like how you've turned that around? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I was far too focused on, I think, things that didn't matter as much, like literally the number of followers that I had, who was in my niche, who else, you know, what was going on. I was just kind of being too concerned about non-important metrics And now I think I've overcome that by focusing on how can I add value? How can I serve? What do people want? Like sort of just shifting the questions and the things I was focusing on that really helped. Ooh, I love that. Like just shifting the questions that you ask yourself. Yeah. And that can be like a very uncomfortable thing for people to do, right? To reframe. 
it, it means you have to get a little uncomfortable, but in that uncomfortableness, you can find so much clarity and actually be able to get better guidance for yourself. So kudos to you for doing that. That's a shift that I think a lot of people don't take advantage of enough. Yeah. And the other piece to that is, you know, on the listening to your feelings, like if you are finding yourself looking at another dietitian's page and you feel jealous or you feel inadequate compared to her, figuring out where that's coming from. And then I often am able to overcome it by reaching out to that person or being like, I love your content or, you know, what you're doing is so great. I hope you feel your program. That just immediately allows you to release any envy or jealousy because you know that you can get there too. And there's enough for everyone. Yes. Abundance mindset. Yes. I'm all about it. I love your tip. That's a really good tip that I have not thought about. I think a lot of people, the tendency is to like delete and block, but there's like some type of cathartic release and just like addressing that person, humanizing them and giving them like credit where credit's due and like reminding yourself that they were once a beginner as well. And like recognizing that when you put in the work, it will happen for you too. A hundred percent, 1 million percent. Yeah, I definitely, I actually resisted the, the, the urge that I had to block or unfollow that person because I knew that it was just, it was coming from a place of lack, definitely. And actually I had started commenting more on her posts and she followed me. So I think there was a little bit of something going on there that once we were able to clear it by focusing on positivity, I think we can be supports for each other. Yay. I love that because networking is so big and especially in our field where there is this energy of competitiveness and A-typeness. There's oftentimes this gap in community and networking. So I think it's so powerful when dietitian bosses can link up and support each other in such a mutually beneficial way. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. And can you share with us a little bit, and you hinted at it a little bit earlier, that you show up on stories, regardless if it's perfect, you just get on perfectly imperfect. Can you tell us about your feelings showing your face initially and how that's evolved with time. Yeah, so <laughs> I forced myself to get on stories and just talk about whatever was on my mind and tried my best to relate it back to you know my message. But some of my first videos, you can actually see me uh, self-soothing because <laughs> I was so anxious. Like I was literally holding myself the whole time and like grabbing my arm and I I like to be vulnerable I like to show women that it's okay and so when I would do that I would actually you know put in my story like you know an arrow being like you know clearly self-soothing but doing things that scare you is really important and now I, I don't find myself falling into that physical habit like it was just a habit I wasn't even aware I was doing it until I watched the video back now I'm much more confident like I speak yeah. to the camera like I'm to a friend. And I also like at first was getting on and just kind of, I don't know, I could talk for like five minutes, just telling them all about my day and my story and, and whatever. And now I'm becoming more clear about how I can add value. But before it was just about showing my face, you know, getting on there and rambling, whatever, whatever it felt like was something I could do right now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> What a great tip. What a great tip. I think oftentimes 
that is the biggest struggle because people think it has to be like this whole to do like this whole theatrics, especially if you watch other people's stories and you're like, wow, they seem like they've got it together. But I like this idea of just going at it from the position that you're in. And if that means just talking about something that you're doing in the moment, sharing what you're eating, like whatever small thing, if it's like 15 seconds and you work your way up to five minutes, over time, you get comfortable and it becomes less awkward. But I, I love the suggestion of, you know, starting at a place that makes you comfortable and just allow yourself to gradually increase to that next level. Mm-hmm. And be yourself. Like I've, I've made, you know, light of things like I'm living in an Airbnb right now and I had to take my videos in the closet. So I'm like, hey, guys, coming to you from the closet whatever, <laughs> you know, just make it fun and like be yourself because, you know, what do you have to lose? Absolutely. That's so true. And then, you know, they're buying from you a person, not a robot or a person who's acquired all these amazing accolades and acquired all this education. While that's really important and so commendable, they are also buying into you as a person. Mm-hmm. So now that you have gotten the confidence to get on, you're less nervous, you're less self-soothing, and you're pushing forward to promote yourself on social media. With respect to your offer, can you share what it was like creating your offer, what a challenge that was initially there and maybe isn't, and maybe even share something that was a little bit easier than you expected? Yeah, in terms of creating my offer, I think I try to keep it simple and just go off of what Libby recommended. I knew that if I got lost in details, it was going to slow me down. And so I just did exactly what she told me to do. And that took a lot of the pressure off. But now I kind of do things in weird orders, right? Like I have phases where some weeks I'm all content or some weeks I'm all whatever. Like last week I was just getting all like the little things done, like starting my Facebook page and creating Google forms. But now I'm starting to come back to my offer and really think through it more and understand what it is that I'm trying to give people building off of that foundation that Libby gives me. So I haven't, yeah, like I haven't been thinking about it the whole time. I just knew that when I came back to it, I would kind of really dive deep into that, that problem and come up with what works for me. Yeah. That's a great strategy. It is helpful being in the program and at least having something that you can present that's easy to grasp to, but also knowing that you have the ability to craft it so it fits you and it fits your ideal client's needs. So I look forward to seeing how it evolves over the coming weeks. And now that you are creating this offer, it comes with a price. And going into business for yourself is obviously quite different than working in a clinical setting where there's medical billing that's happening, that's not like your department, you're used to having like a salary come through and you have these benefits. So getting into entrepreneurship definitely brings on these really interesting ideas about money in terms of how much you should be charging, what goals you should be setting for yourself. So can you share with us like your money story, what it's been like getting into this and being able to start charging the prices that you want and what maybe might have been a hangup for you when initially having to sit with everything? Yeah, my I've been reflecting a lot on money. It's probably the area where I'm least comfortable with everything. And my money story is mildly complicated. But I do have, you know, I have some limiting beliefs that I've been working on and listening to money mindset books and trying to read articles about it. 
And I would say for me, the biggest struggle is being able to set a goal and really feel like I deserve this money. I know that's kind of vague, but I think a lot of, you know, women and go through this of just feeling like we deserve the money that like our value. Right. Um, so I wouldn't say that I'm a master at setting money goals, but I'm working on it and just seeing it as a challenge that I have to get through. Yeah. I love your suggestion of um, listening or reading money mindset books and just simply telling yourself you deserve, I think that's the key where you deserve this money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't really make that connection and it's such an important word for you to repeat over and over and over again when getting over your money hangups. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on air. I just want to wrap up with one last question. What advice would you give someone who wants to start out and grow their business and they just don't know what to do? What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone starting out? Yeah, I think my advice would be just have the courage to go after what you want. You just never want to settle for a life that is only half of what you want. And just getting started too is a big piece. You know, when I lost my job, I had to do something. I couldn't just sit on the couch and wallow. I did for a little while, let's be honest. But, you know, I just started doing things. I started volunteering. I started reading. And it's the same thing in business. If you just start and have the courage to go after what you want, even if that idea fails, you can keep doing something else. So it's, yeah, the courage piece and just starting are my two biggest um, pieces of advice. Oh, thank you so much. That was so beautiful. Everything you said. And I really, 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 really hung on to and I wrote this down and wrote like, had like five lines under settle. Don't settle for a life that's half of what you want. (laughs) Oh, powerful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Yeah, this is wonderful. And I'm feeling like amazing about myself right now. This is great. (laughs) Yay, 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 yay. All right. Just as a reminder, you can find her on Instagram at anxiety period nutritionist. All right. Thank you guys. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.